Um, as Bryce said, I'm Lauren Miller. I am located in Columbus, Ohio, just like Bryce. Um, I guess by like letters next to my name, I'm a licensed massage therapist. I'm also a licensed physical therapist assistant, um, which I'm not working as right now, but we can get more into that. Um, and then just been a trainer, like personal trainer for how old am I like? 13 years. So in those times, I've um, gone anywhere from focusing on a little bit more work with athletes to um, general strength training, a little bit weight loss, but that decided that wasn't my thing. Um, so I work out of a place called The Human Form, which is a private training studio in Grandview. And that's so I, I'm lucky because I get to do my massage therapy, my training, um, another service I provide called performance therapy. And then I also coach the groups at the human form. So um, my journey to get where I am now, which I love where I am right now, um, started like a lot of trainers start where I kind of started training my friends. Like I was really into lifting and, and I liked to think at the time that I knew a lot, like looking back, I didn't know anything pretty much, but um, so I started training my friends and then my first training job was at a big box gym, uh, lifestyle, which I don't think is around anymore. Um, after that, I linked up with my high school strength conditioning coach who was awesome and who got me into this at first, um, named Ashley Quint. Uh, she owns a private training studio. Uh, if you know John Quint, it's her sister, um, or his sister. And then I graduated from Ohio State and started working at Beyond Limits Training in downtown. Um, so just doing training. And then a uh, couple years doing that, I was like, I want to I wanna be able to help people more. Like training's great, but like I want to do more. So I went to massage therapy school, which was a year long, also in Columbus. Um, and then so I finished that and I was doing training and massage Beyond Limits. And then I started working at The Spot, which is where we met. Right. That was about 2015, and um, I just wanted a change and got to work with some athletes and um, learned a ton there, like a ton. Um, after about a year, just decided it was just the work-life balance was hard, um, <laughs> and I was like, uh, maybe I'll try just massage for a little bit. Um, so I started working at a chiropractor's office. For, I was there for a month and a half and I was like okay absolutely not like they were putting 35 massages on my schedule in a week which like physically my body just couldn't do so then uh, luckily Rich Loro welcomed me back to Beyond Limits um, do massage and training there then I decided to go to physical therapist assistant school which was a year and a half um, that was like the most expensive lesson of my life so I learned a lot in terms of neurological disorders, um, had a great skilled nursing um, clinical, but just found that the outpatient clinical world wasn't really a world I wanted to be in. There's there's great ones out there, but just how most of them are run as far as it's more about numbers, um, productivity, things like that, um, wasn't my, my jam. And I felt like I wasn't actually, I was being limited in how I could actually help people and treat people. So... Back to Beyond Limits, we had, you know, on and on again, off again relationship. Um, I'm at Beyond Limits. And then uh, James Fryer, 
was at the human form. He linked me up with the human form, fell in love with it, and I am here. <laughs> so a lot of different stuff, a lot of different stuff. Yeah, and, and that was definitely one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you because you have such an eclectic background with everything, well, most of everything in like the the coaching fitness performance space like you've kind of done a lot and you have a lot of that experience i think that you like you said with the physical therapy assistant stuff where you've really found out like what is not for you and you've mm-hmm. slowly gravitated towards like what you really can can make an impact with so now like you mentioned you're doing pretty much exclusively massage therapy and coaching and mm-hmm. the coaching side being like like personal training and things along that that or in that world um so go back to uh the spot so the spot is where we met uh you were doing massage out of the spot and you were also doing what you're doing now with more like performance coaching small Mm -hmm. groups large groups and individual as well and maybe back then it was a little bit more like athletes than you do currently yeah i worked mainly with the younger crew so it was like eight to eleven year olds and then like 12 to 13 or 14 is who as far as the athletes that's who i mainly worked with yeah so uh do you want to just kind of like run through some of the the experiences that you remember from from the spot like you mentioned that you learned a ton which i can definitely corroborate but uh do you want to just kind of talk about your experience yeah when we Uh, (laughs) yeah so i well what got me in there i was at it's like some sports performance seminar and i had heard about the spot and i saw guys with the sweatshirts on. I think it ended up being Nick, Nick Bronkle and Zach Allman. And I was like, you know what? Just like, screw it. Like, I'm going to go up to them. So I went up to them, which is was out of my comfort zone. I was like, hey, like, heard about you guys, like, introduced myself. I'm like, do you, do you have a massage therapist? And would you ever be interested in having one? And um, uh, I think as far as I can remember, Nick was like, yeah, like actually we probably would be able or interested in that. So got connected with JL and um, I think he really like um, was open to meeting me because I knew Dr. Serrano and I knew Mark Watts. I forgot. I also interned for Serrano for a couple months um, and then I interned with Mark Watts too at Denison for strength conditioning. So um, met everybody there, was super intimidated. Um, it, it was just just different personalities than I'm used to like Sometimes I'm I, I'm kind of intimidated by like really big personalities. So, but I met JL. It went well. Um, he quizzed me the first time I met him. He's like, "Take me through a squat progression." I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Very beginner all the way to like elite." And I'm like, "Uh, uh, uh okay." Like even if I could answer the question, I just was like, "I don't know what to say." So, at one point, I said, "He's like, well, should you go to box squat next or or body weight squat?" And I was like, "Well, it depends on the person." He goes, "No, that's wrong." <laughs> so, anyway, somehow it ended up working out. Uh, I got hired there, um, and I took some training clients with me. Um, Rich from Beyond Limits was was very cool about that, so I was able to not have to go out and, and really search for those. Um, and um, so I was doing that, the adult strength, strength training classes, and then the kids. So the day, you know, I think I'd get there at like 5.30. And then um, what we would tr- coach people until maybe 11 or so, depending on the day. And then we would have a break, you know, for 
a couple hours, but we were expected to train during that, which was great. Want to get my training, but I feel like we kind of like to have a choice. So then you stay and you train, maybe go home for a little bit um, and then come back. And some days I remember on Fridays because I was the newest person, um, there was a six to seven o'clock like young kids class. And because I was the newest person, I coached that on a Friday evening and one kid would show up every time. Yeah, um, worst. Yes. One kid, and I remember, I'll never forget this kid because his dad asked me, hey, what can, can you increase his finger strength so he can be a stronger writer? I just want to exactly who you're talking about. You know, okay. I think it's I like favorite train, like things I remember just training. Um, yeah. Like I said, the work-life balance um, was a lot. I mean, I was used to getting up early. Yeah. Um, there were just some things that were expected of us that um, we weren't necessarily being uh, paid for. Um, <laughs> like, no, and you, you don't have to like go into the details about it. Uh, yeah. But one thing that I find interesting is that I can look back on my time at the spot specifically and be like, that was basically like indentured servitude in a lot of ways. It was pretty exploited exploitative um there were a lot of us that were running ourselves into the ground for pretty much no money we were taking like a lot of bullshit um but pretty much everyone that i've talked to has been like you know what like i would do it over again because i learned so much and i actually agree with that because like it it did fucking suck the majority of the time like i can't really ever say that i enjoyed doing it or I had fun doing it but yeah. I know now that I learned a ton mm-hmm. from my four or five years or however long I, I was there um and like the biggest thing for me is kind of going back to what you were talking about whenever jail quizzed you was it just taught me to like think quickly and on my feet mm-hmm. always have like a definitive answer like always have something to say um, and just be confident in that answer. I, I talked to Kayla about this actually, like uh, a while back. Um, because Kayla was someone who we also worked with. She was she was there for mm-hmm. quite a bit of time as well. And like that was probably like the biggest thing that I took away was just like being able to think think quickly and also yeah. be commanding and be like able to kind of control a large or even small group of people that were in most scenarios kind of like above me in status and in stature. Like these were people that were pretty wealthy. Like they were well off. And like, I was like, oh, like your old kid, like bossing them around and telling them what to do. And like, like stop getting pussy, just continue going, you know? Yeah. Um, And like, that was something that I, I definitely would not have done if I wasn't just thrown into the fire. Like that was not my, my natural demeanor. I didn't feel comfortable being in front of 30 faces staring back at me, like expecting me to know what to do in that scenario. Um, but you just do it over enough time and, and Mm -hmm. eventually you're just comfortable with it. And it's like, it's not necessarily that you're better at doing it. You're just more comfortable. And, um, and that was one of the things that I, I definitely learned. I picked up on and now with a lot of like the decision-making that I make, um, or that I'm, I guess, asked to make during, you know, my, my normal day, a lot of it is just more like intuitive. It's just like, okay, like, does this feel right? If it does feel right, okay, I'm confident that it's probably somewhat close to being right. And I think that a lot of the time I spent at the spot allowed me to be more comfortable and just like my gut instincts and just be like, all right, like this is what I think is going to happen. So let's just, let's make it happen. Um, was yeah. there 
anything that like you were able to take away from that time where you're like, it sucked, but I'm really thankful for this skill or this thing that I picked up and was able to kind of translate into the rest yep. of your coaching. Definitely. Um, as far as like actual training, the first time I ever worked out with you guys, cause you got to work out before you get hired, you know, and I came in and I'm doing like barbell bench and JL comes over. He's like, you do a really good job at not getting any fucking leverage on your bench press. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll admit, like, I didn't have a ton of training in the powerlifting bench press, I guess you could say, or even not even the powerlifting barbell bench, just like how to use your legs in a yeah. bench press. So along those lines, I learned so much about not just powerlifting and how to, to coach it and, and progress people and that stuff, but also just how to strain. Yeah, like yeah. how to how to actually work hard and how to know like if my clients are working hard because you know you know some people they may they may be straining their asses off but some people you can tell more on their face but there may be some people also who they're if we put a number to it maybe they're training at like five out of ten intensity and they look like they're training out of ten out of at a ten out of ten so i also learned how to communicate with people to actually find that answer um so yeah the straining thing uh for sure like my like the big three um i'd say other than squat i mean squat improved for me a lot squat is just really tough for me they all improved like i got a lot stronger in those um so that was cool to see as far as like coaching itself um, and like thinking on my feet, definitely. And the even if you're not confident, just coming off as confident, which then I think created more confidence, because especially when I started there, I mean, just in general as a person, like I wasn't super sure of myself, you know, especially coming in there and seeing all you guys and like the experience and, and everything. I was like, oh, my God, like. I don't know anything. So, but like you said, um, being able to think on the spot or if you're in a meeting and JL or, or even like Nick asks you something, like the worst thing you could answer was, the worst thing you could do, I think, was try to make up an answer rather than just saying um, like, hey, uh, I said this to JL one time, he asked me, hey, what would you do? Again, this was like the first time I worked out with you guys what would you do to try to increase someone's cutting speed, like agility? And I was like, I got to be honest, like that's not something I've really been trained in a lot. Um, so I'm trying to answer my the questions to the best of my ability. Um, yeah, also working with different personalities. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a big one. Yeah. Uh, stepping out of my comfort zone, um, learning not to take things personally. I mean, that's a that's a lifelong, you know, work in progress yeah. for everybody. I think. But uh, I guess another story, uh, Nick, I was about to leave for the day yeah. and they'll had some athletes and it was in the beginning and I'd been chatting a bit. He's like, hey, you heading home? You done? I was like, yeah. He's like, no, you're not. You're staying and you're watching this group. And like, I'm like, one, I'm like, Jesus, who is this asshole? Which <laughs> Yeah. Honestly, like at first I was like, geez, like I like Nick. Like I don't think he's an asshole. He just has a you know, a strong way of communicating. Um, so like um yeah, learning how to best communicate with 
people, coaches who just think differently. Yeah. And they kind of able to hold my own. Well, that's a big one too. And I think that um, even for myself, because the spa was actually my first experience working in a gym setting. Like I had been in the gym all the time because I love training and I've been training myself for years at that point. So I knew that like I wanted to be in the gym in some capacity because I loved it. And I, I thought that like the natural extension was, all right, cool. Like I'm just going to work at a gym and I'm going to coach people. I'm going to train people and I'm going to do this. And I stepped into the spot and it was just like, not what I expected in any capacity. And I'm sure that it's not a, a stretch to, to anyone who's ever worked there to say that like the environment was fucking toxic, super, super toxic. I have not, and, sorry, but, but at some point remind me to tell you a story in, about that, but yeah. And, um, it, it taught me in, in a lot of ways too, especially after I left and especially after I started kind of like figuring my shit out, realizing, all right, like, I think that I'm going to do my own thing. I don't really want to be working at a gym anymore. I don't really want, be, want to work for anyone any, anymore either. Um, it taught me to like, really not take shit from people too, because up to that point, like, it's just very, it's like not something you really deal with on a daily basis in your life. Whenever you have people just kind of like talking shit to you or like demeaning you. Um, and like I said, it was like a very toxic environment, almost in the fact that like, you're either going to figure out how to deal with this or you're going to leave and break, but either yeah. way, that's a good thing for us, right? Like us as in like people that are working at the spot, other coaches, right? So it's, it's either like you figure it out or, or you're gone and it's mm -hmm. the other, um, but with that, like I figured it out, I figured out a way to like continue doing it. And, um, I became like, I think a pretty fucking good coach. And yeah. with that, I was like, I'm also never going to work for anybody ever again, because if, if someone ever tried to talk to me like that now, I would lose my fucking mind. Like yeah. I just would never do it. And now that I have my own business, now that I also have people that work for me, I'm like, man, that's a great lesson for me to never treat people certain ways either. Right. Because as much as it can be productive for, for certain people, um, others are just going to be like completely broken from that. And they're never going to want to be in this world again in the fitness space because of that experience. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely learned a lot. I learned a lot of what to do, what not to do. Um, but in general, I think that it was like a really good experience for me. I'm glad that I did it. And I also learned how to work hard. Like I had never up to that point, like been in that position where it's like, all right, cool. I have to be at work by 5 a.m. And I'm not going to leave until 8 p.m. And we're going to do this every fucking day during the summer. And it's 105 degrees. Mm -hmm. Like. I didn't really know what that felt like because I started working at the spot whenever I was 19. So it was, it was just a lot. Um, but again, I'm glad that I did it. I'm glad I got that experience. And I think that most people can probably say the same thing, even if there are a lot of tangible examples of shit that they would never put up with now. But, um, no, yes. moving on from that though, I'm glad that we laid that groundwork. Um, <laughs> Massage and um and soft tissue work is, is now mostly what yep. are are like kind of hanging out in that space. So um I, I kind of want you to talk about specifically those modalities, those methods of treatment, um, you know, kind of what the primary purpose of massage therapy should be and how they might differ from other massage or other types of therapy, like chiropractic, physical therapy, like those types of things. So do you just want to kind of give a high level overview and then we can start zooming in on that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me pull up my notes because I get sidetracked. So it's just something for me to 
be able to glance. Um, so massage therapy um, can be pretty broad just because there's so many modalities. But I guess to to brief like as briefly as possible break it down. Um, as far as like what is the purpose, what are the goals? Massage therapy is meant to be a, a tool. It's it's um it's meant to be an addition, um, an implementation. It's not meant to be a fix, which we'll talk about more, but I think that's where a lot of people kind of go in the wrong direction with massage. Um, but soft tissue work in general, um, we're working to, you know, decrease tension, um, uh, psych- physiologically or psychologically, excuse me, um, decrease stress, uh, kind of like regulate the nervous system um so there's so many different ways to do that massage just happens to be where you use your hands i mean some you know there's some instruments you can use so really um and i'm manipulating the tissues i guess you could say just because you're you're moving muscles uh, no matter what technique you're doing uh, trying to improve like the glide of of the tissues when they're moving um which can increase the glide of the nerves, like running through the tissues. Um, and I guess to my next thing would be getting into, I think it might be easier to explain what it's not in some way. Yeah, yeah, of course. Go. Um, so like I even did this cause I was like, you know what, what's going to pop up. So if you Google, you know, massage therapy or massage therapy benefits types of massage therapy, most of what's going to pop up is as far as um, physical benefits is going to be we're breaking up scar tissue or breaking up adhesions or we're releasing knots. And um, now that's it's the very big debate in the massage therapy world. It has been since I, I was in school. Um, and in school, they teach you that we're doing all that. Like they school, at least my school, basically teaches you that like massage is the end all be all like it can fix like everything like and I kind of came out believing that but but the reality is that um even though again we're working with the tissues I'm not if somebody comes in and they have you know a scar from an ACL surgery from like 10 years ago I'm not going to be able to you know work on that scar or around that scar and literally like give the scar or the scar tissue like underneath more mobility. I mean, the point of scar tissue is is to be strong, right? Like so um some people say you know, it breaks up adhesion in in the fascia, which fascia is also very debated. Um but again, uh fascia is meant to be strong. Like yeah, it has movement in it. Um but as far as then leading into like knots. So uh, we all have those spots like common spots like next to your shoulder blade where like it's more sensitive and we might feel little bumps, which are actually just the muscle. Um, and so and it's like, oh, I have not all these knots next to my shoulder blade. Like I need to get them released. Um, and what uh, some therapists say uh, or believe it, like knots and trigger points are... Um, adhesions formed by like dysfunctional fiber uh muscle tissue fibers um that attach the muscle so they're going to prevent it from stretching as much from having as much mobility um and then they're going to cause pain yeah. and while 
that would be a really easy way for it to work. Um, what it really is, is it is a more sensitive area of something uh, or of of the body. Um, but it, it's a lot more, uh, it's a little bit harder. There's more to it than that. So if I'm pushing on a knot, say, uh, uh, or an area of increased sensitivity, it's not going to be where I'm pushing on it and I'm getting all this toxins and all this shit to just like, all of a sudden it's just like, and just like gone. I wish it worked like that. That'd be really cool. But the release that people, I understand why people say release because it's more of like a, it's like a mental release. Um, but because what we're doing is we are, are working with the nervous system. Let me know if I'm kind of trailing off too much, but so the sensitivity or then it's not decreasing again, because I'm like flattening it or whatnot. It's because I'm exposing it to, um, I'm exposing it to something. So like the pressure or the, the massage technique and, um, the nervous system is able to, you know, as long as it's kind of the the right thing to do for that person and it's not like insanely deep pressure which i know we'll go into as well it's taking our nervous system from more of that fight or flight like sympathetic tone um to more of that rest and digest so the parasympathetic so it's just that's why it can be so as far as like decreased sensitivity that area so next to your shoulder blade may go from being the brain sent like pain signals uh for lack of better word so it's being sent pain signals especially if it's something people are messing with all day and they feel and then the nervous system is calming a little bit so then it's almost like it's almost like other signals are then kind of like nope nope like you're not going to receive that pain signal now i call them feel good signals um now that's the information that the brain is getting um now to go back to the scar tissue there is some argument in the case that post-surgery some manual therapy could have an effect on just how like the fibers are going to lay kind of directionally um but it's like a very limited time frame that makes sense yeah so um i just have a question about like knots and adhesions whatever word you want to use to describe the uncomfortable spots that we have all over our body um like what what exactly are those and how do they form? Like, how do people get like those actual knots that you can feel where the muscle starts to kind of bunch up or tighten up, whatever is actually happening there physiologically? Because like, I know for me, I could feel knots around like my scapula, right? Like there's definitely bunches of muscle that have yeah. kind of gotten stuck in that mm -hmm. spasm or whatever it actually is, right? So like, do you kind of want to want to explain like what knots actually are physiologically and um like you're saying like it doesn't just get smushed out and then just get released yeah. um but like what what kind of can we do to actually help out with maybe not just releasing them completely but like having them calm down a little bit just chill out yeah um so for my training and, and education i've done since school well Again, going back to school, um, what I mentioned as far as like what we're taught knots are trigger points is is they don't really give an, a reason for dysfunction. They'll just say it's an area of, with of dysfunction. So then 
you know, um, they te- they taught us about pot bands, T-A-U-T, that um, like, okay, here's muscle fibers or whatnot. They're going going this way that a top band would be like a little band of just increased tension and like tightness, basically. Um, but again, they never really taught us why that would happen other than like scientifically, really, other than, you know, they would if um, somebody is sitting a certain way or long periods of time, like daily. So like you're not getting as much movement in that area. Um, Post or past injuries, um, joint dysfunction, I guess you could say. So um, joints don't really respond to muscles uh, in the sense of like a muscle's tight. So then it's going to restrict the joint. It's more so that the joint is going to affect the muscle more. Um, but, or like repetitive, repetitive, um, motions. So say somebody has a job where they're having to like reach across and then bring something up like all day, every day, then maybe some knots could be here because they're using, they're like moving their shoulder blades so much. So those muscles are like getting stretched and then contracted, stretch, contract. I don't know if that really answers your question well. Um, the reason it's hard to answer that question well is because we were actually like, nobody really knows okay unfortunately and that's why you'll so many different answers so my answer comes from more so my experience um and my experience with learning again about like regulating the nervous system and how um if there is you know if i'm working on a knot or an area of increased sensitivity um I don't really get a difference in result or benefit by the pressure I'm using. Yeah. So um, as far as what you can do about them, I mean, even though they may not be little balls of muscle that's just bunched up, um, we can still have a great effect on those by massage or, um, you know, uh, lacrosse ball, foam roller, things like that, because, well, one, again, we're... um, we're getting that tissue to like kind of encouraging it to glide. And if it is stuck in a way, encouraging it to to move a little bit more. And massage does temporarily increase flexibility. So maybe decreasing in a way that like um, uh, stretch response, stretch response in, in the sense of like it'll let you get somewhere. So, you know, I work on the hamstring. There's some knots there. And then afterwards, somebody can get lower because the hamstring feels better. So it's it's not going to it's going to let itself kind of elongate a little bit better. Yeah. Um, so. What we can do about them, I mean, of course, there there's also argument for like drink, have drinking enough water, um, you know, doing things that can increase lymph flow, blood flow. But really. The short answer is just move more. Yeah. Well, I think move more is like a good antidote for a lot of things anyway. Yeah. But, but on that note, you have to be moving more effectively. You have to move well. Um, a lot of people don't move well, and they can probably be getting themselves into worse problems, worse issues, creating more dysfunction because they move incorrectly. They have some kind of issue in their movement pattern that is creating more problems, more compensations. 
then that movement is actually the the fixed spore. So that's kind of like where you come in, where where like traditional physical therapy would come in is like helping to alleviate some of those things. And like, obviously we've talked about massage therapy. I, I definitely want to continue talking about massage therapy just for a little bit longer, but like your performance therapy, which you had alluded to before. And I know that that's kind of trying to integrate some of these aspects too, where movement is the cure for a lot of things. Like even for people that are just trying to lose weight, like just walk around more, you know, like you're, it's amazing how much walking helps just so many things or just like one thing that I've been doing a lot lately is like dead hangs, like just hanging from a bar helps so much. It just feels so much better. Um, just getting movement through every single joint. It, it really does fix a lot of common issues that most people have, whether that's tightness, whether that's pain, whether that is like lack of mobility or flexibility, um, that movement, as long as, again, as long as it's done safely, it's, it's done effectively, it's done with like good technique, good execution, it can really fix a lot of things. And with massage, uh, obviously like I've been coming to you and getting like our 60 minute massages for fucking ever. Um, but not everyone can probably afford to do that once a week. Like I do. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely is a little bit of a luxury and I'm very fortunate to be able to do that. Uh, but like, what are a few things that people can do? Maybe if they can't afford to get a massage once a week or even once a month, we yeah. cross balls, we alluded to foam rollers. I think a lot of people are familiar with those types of things. How do people use those correctly to actually get some kind of benefit out of them rather than just like laying on a foam roller for five minutes, having a conversation, then just getting up and like going and squatting? Yeah. Yeah. And to to go back to um, you asking, like, what can we do about knots or, or those areas um, with your answer? Or were you saying like you do you've been doing dead hangs and things like that um, to get more of a, a longer term or longer lasting effect from a massage um so say i work on someone's lat a lot um then we kind of i want to hit this sort of performance therapy comes in too but i want to hit the save button on that increase in if like flexibility or range of motion was an issue i want to hit the save button on on the improvement i just got so then again if it's if we're doing more than just massage i may take them out to the gym and do like a specific kind of lat pull down. So then they're training those muscles and the joints through that new, yeah. that range of motion that we just got them to. Um, that way the body's like, oh, that this is actually the basis, a lot of the basis for FRC, which a lot of people by now probably know about like functional range conditioning, but they just do it through a different way. But, um, you know, like, hey, brain, just in, in, increase this range of motion but I don't want it to only last for a little bit. So again, like I said, like hitting the save button on it. Um, now for somebody to do that on their own, uh, you know, I don't suggest rolling for 30 minutes and then going in training. I don't suggest getting a massage and then going in training. So it would be um, how someone could implement it is uh, we've been using... Well, let's use the pec as, as an example. So somebody's having some tension in their pec or they feel some restriction in their shoulder. Maybe they're going to bench. And um, so they do, like I would suggest, you know, take a lacrosse ball or whatnot, go against the wall, find a tender spot, not tender to the point where you want to throw up, but just like a little bit of a tender spot. Move the arm around a little bit. So here you take take the muscle through different like lengths um 
but literally for like 30 seconds. And then do your warm up, your actual warm up, and then go bench um, or do whatever you're going to do for the day. And then same for foam rolling. Um, I typically suggest if someone is going to foam roll, it be more towards the evening. So after their training, if they're wanting to spend a lot of time on it. Okay. Just be massage and so massage, foam rolling, um, lacrosse ball, it doesn't, it does not improve performance in the sense of strength. It doesn't improve power. If anything, like you, it could have a, a little bit, not tons, but a little bit of a negative effect on it, on power open, in, output and strength. So um, if somebody wants to do like a quick full body rolling before their training, um, like I said, like 20 to 30 seconds each area, take no more than a couple minutes to do it. Because we also don't want to put things into a parasympathetic state while we're training or before we're training. Like we want that, you know. And yeah, that's uh, actually something that's actually something I found personally for for my own like prehab warm up um type of sequence that I've been doing for a long time. Like I think maybe what, like five, six, maybe even longer, um, years ago. The the big thing was like foam rolling for like 30, 45 minutes before you trained. And like that would lead to three hours in the gym. Like between yeah. this crazy long foam rolling session to start, this like crazy long sequence of activation prehab like it before you even get to your main movement you're there for an hour and a half just doing all of these like warm-up type of things and like that's the state that i got in years ago especially because i had so many issues and problems with my body like i was just beat up i had a lot of pains a lot of aches and looking for ways around that and in my head i'm like oh what well, the foam roller just seems so easy like i'm just gonna lay on this thing and i should solve all my problems um, but now I, I think I've gotten to the point where I know very specifically, like how I need to use it to get my muscles ready to go and ready to work. And the one thing I found that is very counterproductive is just laying on a foam roller for 10, 15 minutes and not doing anything and just letting like the pressure sink into those muscles. Because like what you said, it kind of increases that relaxation effect. It makes you a little bit more parasympathetic and it decreases like the um the tonality of the muscle so it makes mm -hmm. it a little bit more mm -hmm. relaxed you don't want laxity in your muscles or your tendons whatever you're about to go train heavy you right. want, you want good tightness there because tightness will actually protect you tightness is what exactly. what creates more of that like power and that strength output so if you have too much looseness in your muscle for lack of a better word that's actually not good for anything it's not yeah. it's not what you want it might hurt a little bit less or be a little bit less restrictive but yeah. in a lot of ways like you want the opposite of that especially if you're going to go in and lift heavy so like with foam rolling is there anything specifically that that you would recommend for someone let's say uh they're just going in and they're they're trying to do something kind of like full body session you mentioned kind of just going through touching on everything like 20 30 seconds max but is there any like specific protocol specific muscles that you recommend most people to like roll out um, I know that a lot of people are like big on quads and like mid back and stuff, but yeah. what are your thoughts on like the muscles mm -hmm. that really should take the brunt of the the focus whenever it comes to foam rolling, lacrosse ball, any kind of like tissue manipulation before going into a training session? That's a great question. I've never been asked that. Um, I think 
it really does depend on the person and their goal for training that day or what they have going on. Um, so, but I, I mean, if I had to answer that, um, bottom of the feet. Okay. Yeah. So I knew that yeah. you were going to come up, say something like that. And I think we can touch on that in a second, yeah. but continue bottom of the feet and then what? Absolutely. Um, this is hard to do with a roller or a ball. So even just using your thumbs, uh, the ridge here. So you want to describe what you're doing because if someone yeah. it, it might have good idea. <laughs> so I have my thumbs at the base of my skull where you'll feel the angle, like the, the bottom of your skull where it starts to go into your neck. And I'm taking my thumbs and I'm just putting pressure like up and forward into the base of of the skull. There's so many muscles that, that you know, attach up there or, um, are, are a part of, of that area. Um, so definitely there. Also, this is not my wheelhouse, but um, there is, you've heard of RPR. Lots of people have heard of RPR. Well, um, RPR stands for, you want to just like give uh, a brief description of RPR. Oh, exactly. It's like reflexive performance reset. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah yes. That's still what it is? Yes. So I, um, one of my bosses, so um, Michelle and Steven Ladd own the human forms. Uh, Steven, he does something called Be Activated. And so does a coworker of mine, Jeff. Uh, and again, just like massage and other modalities, it's working with the nervous system. But theirs is their, um, working on specific areas and i apologize to anybody who does be activated if i say this incorrectly but working on um for instance the base of the skull yeah has been like if you do a test uh so someone's lying on their stomach and you test their their hip extension range of motion so like how far can you lift your leg off of the table and then you test maybe the the strength of um the the hip extensor it's just a very quick like trying to push their leg down and then you go and you work on that ridge there um with like some breathing techniques and things like that and most people all of a sudden you go back and test that hip you know lifting the leg and the strength and it's improved so it, it's like more so activating things i, I guess yeah. you could say um but so the 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 ridge of the skull just because one it feels so good, <laughs> and if someone's coming from a work day and they've been sitting for a long time, that's a really important area to hit. Yeah. Uh, um, so we have bottom of the feet, we have like the the base of the skull. Um, I would say pecs more so than the upper back. Um, upper back gets a lot of focus, but. In, in my experience, the if there's some restriction in like shoulder movement or shoulder blade movement from muscles, it, it's if there's muscles in um, affecting it, it's actually more so typically the pecs. Yeah. So pecs in probably like glutes. Um, I wouldn't say there's a wrong area to work in. Well, not the IT band. There's no point in rolling on. I was going to ask you that. Actually, I was, I was literally going to bring that up in a second. I was just like, okay. what do you think about people that roll their IT bands? Um, I think they are just trying to torture themselves for whatever reason. 
Do you want to explain why that is? Yeah. So the IT band, it's a band. It's meant to be very strong. It's meant to be stiff. It's meant to stabilize us. Um, also, because it's so strong, we're not... We, it would take... And this is a very scientific answer. You know, I have all these studies to prove this. It would take like a... a what's that called? Not a bulldozer. Like tons, literally tons of pressure to like change the state of oh, the idea. Steamroller? Steamroller. I mean, that would like completely crush somebody's leg, but um, we're just, we're, we're not going to get changing it. Now you get the lateral quad and the, like the out, outer quad and the outer hamstring that kind of interact. And then part of the, the glue that interacts with the, the IT band, but, or the TFL. So front of the hip, but yeah. we're not going to have, we're not really going to do much for it. And it hurts like hell. It does hurt like hell. Oh my God. Um, yeah. People that do rumble rollers on the lateral aspect of their leg are fucking masochist i never understood that um but one thing that i would add too so bottom of the feet pecs base of the skull um glutes i would also say calves like for me um calves are one of one of the things that i i neglected for a really long time um Mm -hmm. and whenever someone showed me how to actually like effectively self-treat my calves um I couldn't do even like probably five pounds of pressure. Like the first time I did it, it was so painful. My calves were so sensitive that I was like, I'm never fucking doing this shit again. Um, but then over, you know, a couple of weeks, I got a little bit better with it. My, I became a little bit more tolerant of that pain. And one thing that I noticed a fuck ton was that my knees started feeling better. Like Mm -hmm. I started actually taking care of my calves and my knees started being healthier. And it was like this lightning bolt moment for me. Um, but that was something that like, it really, I think hammered home in my head that just because we're feeling discomfort in one spot doesn't necessarily mean that the source of that discomfort is coming from the place that we feel it. Right. I think this is really true whenever we're talking about anything that is happening with like movement. So knees, hips, shoulders, back problems, elbow problems, neck problems. Um, where we still pain is usually actually not where the issue is arising. It's usually somewhere else and that pain is referring or the dysfunction is referring to wherever we're feeling it. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing that I have found from just years of self-torture with foam rolling and then all kinds of like uh, active release therapy and mm-hmm. like shit, every modality you could probably think of. With dry needling, cupping, Raston, like I've tried all of it. Um, and some of them work pretty well. Some of them don't work at all for me specifically. And I'm not going to just kind of bash entire right. practices, but like some of them definitely have not worked for me. Um, but, you know, with that, massage is definitely something I've continued to do. And there are a lot of misconceptions around massage therapy in general. Um, one thing I do want to add before I kind of pass that over to you so that you can talk about some of those misconceptions is for me, I actually don't go into most of our massage sessions with the intention or with the hope that I'm going to come out of it fixed. Mm-hmm. A lot of what I do at this point is, hey, I need to relax. I want to come in here. I have had a stressful day, a stressful week. I want to come in here for 60 minutes and just allow my entire body to relax and even having those expectations completely 
dashed that I'm ever going to feel 100% healthy, that's okay for me at this point because I know that whenever I walk out, I feel better. Mm-hmm. So, like I don't have these crazy high expectations. I'm not like thinking that massage is going to fix me. Yeah, I'm going to feel better afterwards. And for me, like that's worth it. So I kind of wanted to touch on that misconception because I've seen a lot of people basically say like massage therapy is useless because it doesn't have XYZ physiological effect. For me, it's not a physiological effect I'm looking for most of the time. It's a psychological one. It's literally, I need to relax and I have a difficult time relaxing on my own. So whenever I come see you, it's 60 minutes where I'm forced into relaxation. And that literally helps me so fucking much. So that might not be beneficial for every single person. Like some people might need something a little bit stronger, like a physical therapy, like Mm -hmm. dry needling or shit. Like there's a lot of really, really intense modalities out there. Um, But I think massage therapy is unique because it doesn't have to be this, like you said, steamroll effect. You don't have to be screaming in pain to actually get a positive effect from massage therapy. And I don't know, we could probably talk about this and like what you think about um, people that literally just try and create the most pain response possible. And they like take pleasure in (laughs) making people hurt. And they're like, oh yeah, this is a good thing. Like the more pain, the better. I mean, I've seen that before and I'm like, this is so fucking stupid. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. But um, going back to the misconceptions, what are some of the misconceptions that uh, that you really run into all the time with massage therapy where you're like, all right, I need to debunk this shit? Yeah. Um, so the first one that comes to mind would be, because um, we always have a dog in the building. Um, first one that comes to mind would be just what it, what it's doing and what it's not doing. So in the sense that, like you said, it's not a fix. Yeah. I would love if somebody was able to come in and, you know, they're, shoulder hurts or they tweaked it overhead pressing or and I'm able to massage do some techniques and all of a sudden it's just better I I mean I also wouldn't have a job or I'd charge like twenty thousand dollars a session because <laughs> you know they come in one time for the rest of their life um um but yeah so the fix so when I was in school and it was an awesome school I loved it but I mean they're coming at it from the massage therapy uh, standpoint so they basically taught us like massage can do it can fix anything like i mentioned earlier so i remember and i said oh gosh so embarrassing to even say this out loud but i believed that coming out of it so i remember like i was at beyond limits and um excuse me uh this guy i know who he was having some elbow issues and he was like hey lauren can you help and i said yeah like if it's a tendon issue those are easy to fix but you know you just i just need to rub your forearms like i hate even saying that like yeah that's easy or um but so going back to it it's um it can do great things but you have to be pairing it you have to be combining it with other things whether it's just strength training or whatever kind of training you do or pt exercises or um whatever it it may be um and then I guess on uh, the other end of the spectrum, like you said, people, um, there's there's this really big, I don't know if it's a fad or what right now, where people are just saying massage is useless. Yeah. Like you said. And 
I think a lot of that comes from, I like to think a lot of, and hope that a lot of that comes from maybe, um, whether it be a physical therapist or a chiropractor, somebody who takes a different approach. And maybe they're telling, trying to communicate, like giving them the benefit of the doubt, trying to communicate that you like massage, if you're, if you have this back issue, massage isn't going to make it go away. But, um, I mean, I mainly see it in the physical therapy world, even just on social media. And I know great physical therapists, like, and we both know Matt Longfellow, Corey Southers, um, and these other people I maybe see on social media, they're great physical therapists. Um, and Matt and Corey don't like bash massage or anything like that, but, um, <laughs> um, and they're, you see a lot of people use memes and stuff right now on social media and it's like a person thinking massage therapy will or massaging the hamstrings will fix the lower back and it's like and then it'll say like what you actually have to do and so I think that's kind of communicating to people that that there's no need there's no purpose to it yeah but we haven't touched much on I'm sure we we're going to but on the the mental aspects the what it can do psychologically for people um and like you said you're you're not coming to see me to because you're in pain or something and you're hoping to or what i mean you have plenty of people you can you can see and and we've done stuff for that but you're coming to me more for you know maybe it's the one hour of your week that you can you can relax and you can check out and I know, like, after our sessions, like, it's kind of like, oh, shit, like, you're kind of out of it in a way. I think it's because, like, you, you know, you, your system got to just, and your body got to just chill. And the, like, uh, clarity I think someone can feel during the and after a massage, like, walking out and maybe before they came in, they had 10 things on their mind. And maybe now they feel like they have five things on their mind. Um, So... Yeah, back to, you know, in regards to the misconceptions. That That's a big one I see. And I'm not going to lie, like, because I do other stuff as well as far as training and then, and then my performance therapy kind of combining some things, like, I kind of got, I kind of started questioning, like, how much should I do massage? Like, how much am I actually helping people? And I think it's just because it's hard, you know, when you're seeing all these things and people that you highly respect or look up to or whatnot um kind of commute or saying like what you do isn't helping people it's like well shit is it actually is it not like yeah i experience that it is but maybe because it's not doing a b and c it's not i shouldn't i should just focus on the other stuff and not just massage therapy because maybe it's not helping people enough yeah. Well, one, one way that I really approach my own massages and like how I view it is much less of this is like a physical fix and much more of like, this is how I would approach therapy. Like mm-hmm. this is something that I, I know that I need to do. I need to, to take this time during my week because this is beneficial for me. And a lot of times too, like Massage is obviously a very comfortable experience, especially if you're not getting like a deep tissue massage. If you're getting a relaxing massage, it's it's nice. Most people <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. But a lot of times as it's approaching, 
that, you know, 1 p.m. on Wednesday, whenever we're always planned to, to have our massages, I'm like, fuck, I have so much on my on my plate today. There are so many things I need to do. And there are so many days whenever I'm like, I need to just text Lauren and cancel because I have so much shit that I need to do today. There's no way I'm going to be able to fit it all in. I need an extra hour in my day. Like, this is just, it's just not the, not the best day, whatever. Um, but that hour for me, it's like, it's like a placeholder. It's something that I know I need to do. That is my time during the week where I'm like, I'm allowed to just disconnect. I'm allowed to unplug from my week, from my work. And usually it takes like 15, 20 minutes before I'm actually able to truly relax. And I know that whenever I lay down, like I don't shut the fuck up for like the first 10, 15 minutes because my brain is just still so wired. And then like the last 30 minutes, I'm just like, I'm just dead. I'm like completely gone. And I usually like wake up in like this like dreamlike slumber. Yeah. So I'd like peel myself off the, the massage table. But um, like I said, I, I treat it much more like therapy where I know that it's not a, a one-stop shop. It's not a fix-all, but doing it every single week or however frequently you want to do it, it's net beneficial for me for more of the psychological reasons, more of like, all right, I am going to do this because I know that Every other hour of my week is stressful as fuck, but I have this one hour in the middle of my week where I'm just allowing myself to chill the fuck out and I'm paying to chill the fuck out. Uh, Obviously not everybody needs that, but especially for people that are like high achievers, people that are always going, people that are always plugged into work, they're doing all of these things. It's good to just have that and treat yourself in some capacity. It might not be massage for every single person, but universally, I think most people can say they don't mind getting massages right Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah i mean like for me i would not not want going back to what i was just talking about maybe a couple minutes ago a deep tissue or a painful massage but what we do because that is the opposite of what i'm trying to get out of of our time i'm trying to just fucking relax man i'm trying to feel good i'm trying to allow my brain to disconnect i'm trying to get in that like dreamlike state um, but if someone was in there digging their elbow into my fucking quad for 15 minutes, I would be dying. I would not be enjoying it, not be enjoying it. And I would most likely cancel every fucking week. So like, so that's like a big difference. And I, I do think that this is an important misconception to talk about is like that more pain means more benefit. And Man, maybe it's it kind of died off, but there was definitely a period. I mean, you can probably speak to this more than I can because you're more immersed in the world. There was definitely a period where I was seeing like a lot of therapists, whatever practitioners, probably a better word, um, where they were really like promoting the fact that no one can get through their shit without crying or whatever, right? Like everyone has to tap out because it's so painful. Like I'm pretty sure I've seen people on social media talking about like. No one's ever made it an hour with me because it's all like they always tap out. And that has always just reeked of like, this is fucking like just complete bullshit. Like this is so stupid. Uh, Mm -hmm. Really easy to believe that it's really easy to get sucked into that. Like more pain means that we're fixing the problem. But do you want to kind of talk about why or if and why that's not the case? Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. Um, So... (laughs) I was one of those therapists, again, coming out of massage school, who thought, like, more pressure, the better, no matter what. 
And I learned pretty quickly that that was probably not the case. Uh, it was pretty soon after I I had graduated and got my license and um, a co-worker, Adam Atkinson, you know, Adam, see you later. Love that guy, but he was, I uh, worked with him for a long time. And his wife, Sarah, um, I don't think she'd mind me telling the story, but she had like tweaked her back. Like she, I mean, it was definitely like just full on spasm. Like it was bad. Like she could barely rotate, bend over. So she asked if I'd work on her. Yeah. So I work on her. I destroyed her. Like she's already in so much pain and I'm digging my elbow into her. Like, I'm mortified even just saying that. And when we were done, she literally could not even get off my table because she was in that much more pain. And I'm so lucky that it was her. Yeah. And somebody that I didn't know, or I'm lucky I didn't hurt her more, like actually injure her. But that was when I started to be like, hmm, maybe there's something to this. So... Um, I once heard, I don't remember who it was, but I once heard a therapist say, like, especially if someone comes into you and they're they're hurting in some kind of way, even if it's just like extreme muscle tension or whatnot, or DOMS or whatnot. Um, working with super deep pressure and like putting them in pain is like if somebody's pissed off and you go yell at them, like it's going to be counterproductive. Like they're probably not going to change their mood. So you're probably going to piss off that tissue more. Yeah. Now, it may feel, I, th I think some people can get what's called like a parasympathetic dump where they're in so much pain on the table. They get off and it feels so good for that to be over that their sister's just like, oh, thank fucking God, like that is done. So that can be where people get that like relaxed effect, I think, from it. Um, so... Totally agree. It, not as much anymore, but there definitely was a period of time where it was, yeah, it was almost like a, a badge of honor if people were like, yeah, Lord massaged me three days ago and I'm still hurting. Yeah. Or um, they bruised me or something like that. Um, and like I said, it just can be really counterproductive. Now, I'm not saying, and you know, like I don't work with super light pressure. Like I do moderate to deep, depending on what is best for the person and what they want. But if, since we've talked so much about just calming the system and their system, if I'm digging my elbow into somebody and they are holding their breath, they're wincing, they're tensing up, like I'm not going to get the effect that I want to get for them. Um, it just, just, it just doesn't make sense. Like, um, so there, I'm going to have to find her name and give it to you. There's one woman on Instagram who she's videos of literally her just beating the shit out of people with scraping or her. I mean, these people and these are like young athletes, like they're like either, they look like they're like older teenagers or like early 20s. They are and these are like high level athletes. They are like trying. They're like flailing their body. And so many people comment like, wow like i need to get in with you and she's on this is one person but she's like smiling doing it you know maybe there's some other things going on there um but yeah people look at that and they're like man that must be that must be what i need um and i have people not as much anymore come into me and they say you do whatever you have to do 
you just get in there like they'll be like what kind of pressure do you typically like and they'll say as far as you absolutely can and that's a really good time then for me to be able to educate somebody with without making them feel dumb or something you know i'm not gonna be like well that's not right you know but really to educate somebody that hey i'll de- i'll definitely use decent pressure something that feels good to you um but if i do it in that kind of way if i'm practically like taking a sledgehammer to you um i don't say this but it could kind of be like a waste of your money in a way um i don't know if i answered your question completely no you but, you have okay. um but that was that was actually something that like i experienced whenever i was younger um I, I actually don't remember how old i was but it was probably like one of the first times i ever got like a real deep tissue massage um and my mind was like absolutely shattered at how painful it was because I went in not knowing what it was going to feel like. And I'm like sweating fucking bullets while this is happening. I, I went in thinking I was going to get a relaxing massage and I got this deep tissue massage and I'm dying. And I remember like the day or two after that, I felt like I, I got in a car accident. Like mm-hmm. my entire body was so sore. Like, no matter what I could have done in the gym would have never made me that sore. And this was just from massage, deep tissue massage. And I remember like, I actually could not train for like the next week after that because my entire body was so sore. So one thing that I like to think about now is having that much disruption is never a good thing, right? Like think about, would you want to voluntarily put yourself in a car accident no you probably wouldn't want to do that but what is happening whenever people are going in and doing that amount of pressure with that depth they're causing a trauma response exactly like the thing is is pain isn't a bad thing like especially if you have some sensitive areas maybe like you've never had your your glute mead like actually touched on before like that's gonna be a super sensitive spot or like your calves like if they've never been worked on like i was talking about earlier that shit's gonna fucking hurt no matter what they do um but you should not feel like you're at a 10 out of 10 pain like that's just not okay you should not be feeling that you should not be getting these like deep muscle bruises after getting a, a massage like if you go in and get grassed in like that's a different modality you're probably going to have a little bit of discoloration, maybe whatever, but it still shouldn't look like a third degree burn, right? Like that's right. the thing is we went through this period where it just seemed like everyone was like comparing their battle scars and thinking that like more severe meant better. And I don't even know if they thought it meant better. Like they just thought it was like a cool thing to compare where it's like, oh, look, you look like you got attacked by an octopus because you got this cupping oh. done. or yeah, like. Your entire lat and pec are this deep purple because you got grassed and done or whatever else it might be. Like, I just remember we went like th- through this collective phase where everyone thought that more, more painful was better. And <laughs> I think years ago, I got to the point where I was like, that seems really fucking stupid. I don't want to do that. Like, that's not really the way that I want to go about this. Not even having to do with the fact that, like, I just didn't really want to be in pain while I was getting massages. Uh, but now, it's it's amazing like i've focused so much more on just keeping my body in a general relaxed state as frequently and as often as i can 
getting more sleep, staying hydrated, having a better diet, like keeping my systemic inflammation lower, like, like correcting my movement patterns, doing more unilateral work, like those types of things. It's amazing how much yeah. that actually fucking helps compared to just like doing all of this stupid shit and then thinking that like someone beating you with a sledgehammer once a week is going to somehow correct all of this dumb shit that you're doing throughout the, the rest of your week. So yeah, that was a little bit of a side tangent for me, but, um, but I, you know, I just thought that it was important to bring up because so many people are ignorant of like what effective yeah. massage is supposed to be. And that's one thing that I've always liked about working with you is the fact that like, you don't just come in there and be like, all right, cool. Like, you know, bite the table. We're going out mm -hmm. for an hour. Right. Like I've always been very much like, all right, cool. Lauren can come in and she can like, you know, kind of fuck me up if I'm, if I'm, you know, needing it today. Or it's very much like I can just take a nap and this is going to be very comfortable and I'm going to feel much better on the other side of it. So, no, I, I'm glad that we talk, talked about that. Um, but we have talked briefly about like the psychological component. Um, I wanted to expand on that a little bit more. So placebo, nocebo effects. What are they and how are they actually impacting what you do? I think mm -hmm. it's place to start with like kind of a definition of what those two things are though and how yeah. they're how they affect massage yeah so um placebo you know usually it's used in studies where maybe <laughs> this uh this group of people are given um a sugar pill or what's whatever and this person's giving that the this group of people's given the actual um and but they're told like hey and you can also correct me if if you have a better way to explain this but hey this you know no matter which one they have they don't know which one they have this is going to help with this and oftentimes uh if it's a placebo effect the people that had the placebo or the the excuse me, the um like the sugar pill they have positive effects it helps them with this so when it comes to massage um I wouldn't say it's a placebo in the sense that I'm telling somebody, hey, this is going to help with this if it's not going to. But I think that can actually actually correlate with how I'm communicating that with that person and what are their thoughts that they have coming into the session about massage. So if they're coming in and they're thinking, you know, maybe it's even their first time and they're thinking, hey, like, this is going to help me. Like, I really think this is going to help me. It's probably going to help them um, more so than if someone came in and they're like, well, this isn't going to do shit. Like, it's maybe it helps them a little bit, but it's definitely not. They're not going to be open to it. Right. Um, but. Now, I'm not saying some therapists will do this on purpose. Um but I think placebo can be used by, is used by some people because they are saying, um, hey, um, your neck hurts here by massaging your trap, your upper trap, your neck's gonna not hurt now or something like that, which I would never say because it's just not that easy to, it's not that simple. And, you know, obviously we know pain is, has so many factors to it. <laughs> but on the under, other end of the spectrum, nocebo, um, it's uh, <laughs> basically, you know, instilling almost like fear in 
in clients. So it's it's um, believing that something's going to have a negative effect, uh, at least in my world. So um, therapists can have to be really careful, and I'm sure I've done this at some point in my career, um, but at what they're saying as far as like the causes of something. So say some, you have um, a power lifter or like a high level track athlete come, or even not high level. And if you say to them, like you're working on their hamstrings and you say, holy shit, your hamstrings are so tight. What are they probably going to be thinking? At least what's one thing they're probably going to be thinking about next time they deadlift where they're using a ton of hamstrings? Oh shit, my hamstrings are really tight. Like, all of a sudden, maybe it's starting to affect their positioning because they think or or they have this fear of, shit, am I going to pull my hamstring because they're so tight? Yep. Same with the track. Like they're competing the next two days or something. They have a meet and they're thinking about how that therapist said like, wow, like your hamstrings are so tight. Like make sure you're stretching a ton. Careful. It can cause a little back pain. They're going to be thinking a lot about that and it's going to cause fear of movement or just all these really shitty responses. Um, and so another one, my biggest frustration, I would say that I hear like people come in with and say is, hey, well, I saw um, I saw a massage therapist or even like a PT, uh, whoever. And they said that I have the tightest traps they've ever seen, ever worked on. You would be surprised how often I hear that. And it's extremely frustrating yeah. because, uh, again, kind of like we're instilling, well, what are they thinking about now? It's like people start to identify with it. Like, hi, I'm Lauren and I have the tightest traps ever. Right. And it can, it will, it can affect every, like their day-to-day life. Like they're working or they're playing with their kids and they go to pick their kid up and they're probably like, oh, God, I better be careful because like my neck is so tight. You know, it's like cement. I got to really be careful. And maybe they're laying in bed. And is it like, oh, I better lay in the right way, like the correct way because my neck's so tight. Also, there's no way like a muscle will feel tense. Like it can absolutely feel tense, tenser to like the touch, my touch. There's no way for me to know um, is this. Like, I can kind of tell, okay, is this neurological tension where the muscles, again, just don't really want to let go? Like, I can't tell, like, is it something literally mechanical in there? You know what I mean? And that is my biggest pet peeve. So I think nocebo happens so much more frequently in the massage therapy field than, or that placebo. Yeah. And and this is something that I've experienced a lot of frustration, frustration around as well is, um, you know, I have clients who will come to me and I'll be, you know, doing their programming, writing their, their training for them. And they'll go see a massage therapist, uh, a chiropractor or, you know, whoever, even, you know, a lot of cases in, in my world, like a judge for, um, for whatever mm-hmm. vision they're in and yeah. they will give them feedback. So let's say, you know, a massage therapist will say, you know, your, your quads are so tight, you know, make sure that you don't train your quads. Because your quads are so tight, like they, you just need us to not train them anymore. Or a chiropractor will be like, oh, like, have you noticed that, you know, your, uh, your hips are misaligned. So like (laughs) your left glute is bigger than your right one. Just keep an eye on that. Make sure that, you know, your, your 
training your right glute a little bit more than your left one just to, to compensate for that size difference or a, a judge especially if i'm working with like bikini athletes or something like that will say the most ridiculous shit all the time most of the time they have no clue what the fuck they're talking about anatomically or biomechanically and they're mm-hmm. just they're just throwing stuff out there and it sticks with the athlete it sticks with them in their head and they start to mold their entire life around that one sentence that the therapist or the chiropractor or the judge threw out and passing didn't even think about it and now that athlete is like oh shit like my hips are off i need to always be you know leaning a little bit more into this side to counteract for my left hip being a little bit misaligned or you know like i need to really make sure i'm arching my low back because my chiropractor said that you know xyz so it's like stupid shit like that. They create, they can create dysfunction. They can create mm-hmm. it um, because they say something that is not grounded in reality. Or even if it is, even if someone has tight quads, right? What you're recommending them to do is not the fix for the issue, right? And it's a lot more complex than just, oh yeah, you have tight quads. Just don't train your quads anymore and stretch a little bit. Like that's so fucking stupid. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. And I have a lot of athletes that have stuff like that drilled into their heads. And it's so hard for me as a coach to be like, that's such bullshit. Please forget that. Please forget that I was ever said to you because it's not that easy. Right. But it happens really frequently for me where I'll have a client who will go see a new chiropractor. That new chiropractor will try to like, you know, show off a little bit, be like, Oh, let me, let me show you and tell you all of these new things that you haven't heard yet. So that, you can feel like you got something productive out of this session. You'll come back yeah. and hang me. So let me yeah. tell you how broken you are. And then that gets filtered back to me as, as someone who was training these athletes, these, these clients, and they come to me and they're like, oh yeah. So this chiropractor told me that I have all of these issues and we should rearrange our training to fix these issues. And I'm like, fuck no, yeah. so stupid. Your chiropractor, your massage therapist, your whoever doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. And if they have a question about what you're doing for training, they can email me. They can, they can call me. We can talk. Yep. But like that would never happen because then I'd be like, you are just spouting bullshit. You don't know what you're talking about. Or you're just trying to money grab right now, right? And that's a huge, huge problem in my world is bad advice from practitioners that end up like infecting the minds of these clients, these athletes. And like, I'm glad that you brought that up and I'm glad that we were talking about this because it's probably not something I would have even asked you, but like, you now that I'm thinking about it, it's just, man, it's like so persistent. It's such like a rampant issue that I have to deal with all the time. And it's so frustrating. Um, but yeah, I mean, like what you were talking about, the placebo can be like an actual good thing. Like that can psychologically be a tool that you can use. And it can also increase adherence too. I don't think that you've mentioned that, but like you can use the placebo effect as a way to like get your clients more bought into what you're doing. You don't want to be manipulative. You don't want to like trick them and say like, oh yeah, if you do this, it'll fix this. But using placebo effect as like a way to just get your clients more motivated to seek that treatment and like stay on top of their shit. That's a good thing. But you have to be super careful about everything that you say to like an impressionable athlete or someone for you on your table, because you don't know what's going to stick and what's just going to like flow right through their ears. Like sometimes what you say without even thinking 
is mm-hmm. actually gets it like it ends up implanting in their brain and they never forget it. And then like you said, that that becomes part of their identity. They're like, Oh, I'm Bryce and I have really fucking tight biceps. So now I can never do biceps curl bicep. Right. You know? And, um, and it's, it's just crazy how many people are attached to those types of things. And they'll say that I'm sure you get that a lot. Whenever people come in, like you said, they're like, Oh yeah. Like I have the tightest traps ever, but it like, that is just something that has always blown my fucking mind. It's always so difficult and frustrating to have to deal with. Yes. Like, and you probably hear it much more than me, but especially I can imagine how frustrating it would be for you because, well, and like you said, like, they're just spouting bullshit, especially if it's somebody who doesn't even have experience working with the type of athletes you're working with. Yeah. Um, or doesn't even train themselves. Yeah. You know, I'd say even as, as a coach and a trainer and someone comes in and um, and they say, well, uh, since squats hurt my knees, the doctor told me I shouldn't squat. Yep. And it's it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. And one of the things that is really tough, and I'm sure for you too, and I, you, you might have a different relationship with your people. You see them, like, you know, talk to them more often. Than, you know what I mean? Is I've had to really learn how to just, like, bite my tongue. Because, and my frustration is not with the client whatsoever. It's not their fault. You know, now if they just don't ever get open to the things I'm saying, then, then my frustration could could be with them. But then also, it's on me for how much am I educating them? Yeah. Um, but also just making sure I do not make that first person feel ashamed for believing that or for seeing somebody else. Like the last thing I want to do is make somebody feel stupid. Now I do have some clients who, again, I might just have a um, a different relationship with. Um, I've been working with them for a long time or. or something and like i have a somebody who sees me uh he's prepping for a show or well like next year but um and he sees me as like a once a month check-in on like form and stuff and whatever just how his body's feeling and he said um he said well one time a doctor like just like an md told me that my quads are so so tight so I need to, f- I need to go foam roll. Like he would not do anything lower body until he foam rolled his quads. Yeah. And with him, and he was, cause I kind of, through our working together, I was able to kind of shift his thinking on some things. Like he was always open to it. Um, so he looks at me and he goes, is that, is that right? And I can go, no. Like I just thought I looked at him and I was like, no, so-and-so like, that's, that's not, that's, that's not how it works. So like with him, I was able to do that, but yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's bad. Yeah. It's, it's very frustrating. And like, even as you were talking about that, like I thought of a specific instance of a client that I was talking to last week, actually. And if she listens to this, she'll probably know who, who I'm talking about. (laughs) Um, but she is actually a pro. She's an IPB pro. Um, and years ago, whenever she was still an amateur, judges told her that she was extremely quad dominant and that she needed to not train her quads because she was a sprinter before starting mm. to compete. So she just naturally has a phenomenal, like, like just her legs naturally are just very developed, including her hamstrings and glutes. She's just, she just has that sprinter look to her. Um, but for years we've had to work around natural compensations that she's developed 
in trying to turn everything into a glute exercise and less into a quad exercise. And that is everything from leg presses to lunge variations to squat variations. Everything has been manipulated to be less quad because that's what a judge told her whenever she was younger. She was an amateur. So now, like she sent me a video the other day of her doing a Bulgarian split squat and she has negative shin angle wow. doing this Bulgarian split squat because she's so worried about hitting her quads. So she just sits so far back and she is scared to actually flex her knee. And I'm like, I know that this is very difficult. I know that you're actually, you actually have to think at this point about bending your knee because your body has like compensated away from allowing knee flexion. And for her, it, it's just a difficult thing. But that's like some of the damage that can be done because that is not healthy. Like that is not a healthy thing to completely avoid an entire range of motion just because someone told you that your quads are a little bit more developed than they should be whenever you stand on stage for 10 minutes out of your entire year, right? So like that, that type of stuff is very frustrating to me, especially because I am responsible not only for my clients to succeed in their sport, but also to make sure they don't get hurt. And that where whenever you are completely avoiding certain things because you have overdeveloped or tight muscles or this compensation or this dysfunction, you inevitably create more compensations, more dysfunctions, more problems, and then you get hurt later on. That's just the name of the game. That's how it goes. And that's always difficult for me because like part of my job is keeping my my athletes and my clients healthy and safe. And whenever they're getting bad advice from other practitioners, other coaches, whoever it might be it undermines me and it undermines my ability to keep my clients safe. So there's really not a good way for me to completely rectify that. It's always going to be a problem. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just continuing to make sure that like people are educated about what the actual truth is behind some of these things. And also understanding incentives and motivations too. Like what we were just talking about, where if you go see a new chiropractor and they tell you, that you're broken and they give you all of these like quick fixes. And they're like, oh yeah, I can definitely, I can make this all better. I can fix you, you know, just give me six months and you'll be good as new. Okay. Like what is leading them to say those <laughs> things? What are the incentives there? The incentives might be the thousands of dollars that are going to flow into their pocket by them telling you that you're broken. If they tell you you're healthy, they don't get a thousand dollars because you're like, fuck it. I don't need to come back to you anymore. Like I'm healthy. Why would I spend that money? So it's the same for me where if I had a client come to me and they're like, you know, my training is locked in, like everything looks great. I'm making awesome progress. I'd be like, why are you talking to me then? You don't need, you don't need to pay me. Like I'm, I'm a problem fixer. Like I, I can't take a perfect program. I'm just going to create problems. You've got it locked down. You're yeah. good. Um, but people don't pay for that. Right. Like, so that's a, a big thing. I think we all need to understand that. Like whenever we go see someone, it's, probably going to be a little bit jaded in the opinions and the advice that we're getting because we're talking to someone who needs to make a living. They don't want to tell you that you're you're perfectly healthy and that you're you're fine and you don't need to pay them. That's yeah. That's, you know, counterproductive for what their goals are, which is to make money. So, um, yeah, you know, from that point, I definitely want to talk about how you actually blend and hybridize massage with training because you do mm -hmm. both. And I, I think that there's there's often a disconnect between like massage and something mm -hmm. that's very passive like that and active like training and coaching. 
And it's really difficult to like find that nice blend, that nice middle ground between the two of them. So like, how do you do it now? Like with what you are, are currently implementing, how do you hybridize those things? Like, what are some of the issues that you typically run into? Yeah. What are some of like the potential faults that either side kind of need to pick their shit up, whether it's coaches, trainers on like more active side in the gym and massage therapists who are purely on, on the passive side and not actually implementing the strength training, resistance training exercise aspect. Right. Um, so how I blend it in terms of, I'll say in terms of somebody, I have somebody come see me and they're seeing me, uh, they reach out because they have pain in their back when they're squatting. Um, and this person is reaching out to me asking, Hey, I see you do these, a couple different things, like which one is best. So, um, typically that that's when I'm going to blend, um, when, it's somebody who has something specific going on and somebody who's open to doing more training side of it and, and the other types of therapy. So they come in, um, you know, the first assessment or assessment, the first session is always going to be an assessment. Now I don't follow something like I do like specific, like FMS or this, 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 it depends on what they're coming in for. So if the person comes in and they tell me, like I said, oh, my back hurts when I squat. Well, what, the first thing I'm going to do is look at their squat because, I mean, I I may get them on the table. I mean, we're talk, but I may get them on the table if they're, especially if they're hurting that day, like they squatted the night before, just to to chill things out, right? To make things, get a little bit of pain relief so that it opens up the door for us to then go do some stuff. Um, So I'm going to look at their squat because if they're, and this is, you know, comes from my experience with training and everything like that. But if they're if able to, it's just a technique thing or a bracing thing or whatever it may be, and that is all they need, then I am not going to say, yeah, we need to massage every week. We need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. But so if it's somebody who like we go look at their squat, it's not just their squat. Um, I'm, I'm always thinking about like the, the, body as a whole and approaching it approaching whatever they, they have going on from more than just um like hey your back hurts so we're going to massage your back and then we're going to do um planks um and then we're going to do like back extensions or whatever it may be um so it depends on what do i think that person needs the most but ideally, if we're incorporating massage into that session, if I'm doing it before, it's going to be maybe a few minutes. I like to do it at the end. Um, and then, so because I have experience in, yes, training, but like specific types of training too, like um, more of a, like I've worked with tons of people in pain. So um, I'm able to take that person with the back pain and incorporate what you know some people may look at what i'm doing like oh she's doing that exercise like oh that's a pt exercise or whatnot which we know pt and training really they should look similar unless it's like post-surgery like it depends on what it is but so um i am then giving them exercises that will um then make like i said like the passive work stick but also the work that's going to make them feel things that are going to make them feel like they don't need that massage as much anymore right 
Um, the it, it might be better to explain from an example. So let's see who can I okay. So I have a client. He's uh he's amazing. He's 77 and he first started he first reached out to me because he was having like some knee pain. Now I of course, you know, make sure that it's something that is in my scope of practice. Right. Like I'm not a phys- I'm not a doctor of physical therapy. I'm not a physical therapist. Um not a chiropractor. Um so once I make sure it's in my scope and things I can work with so it's not like some like crazy nerve issue or you know, they tore something. Um, so it comes in and and uh, we're going over stuff. And um, from there, I told him, hey, we can do some passive and work and massage, but the training aspect is going to be much more beneficial for you. Like we need strength. We need mobility, which again can be a broad term. We just need, need more movement. Um, so... He originally came in thinking it would be mainly massage, but he was open to the other stuff. So we then started, you know, with what he could do. So he had a lot of pain in, um, it was more so knee extension than knee flexion. So um, like straighten his knee if he's standing, you know, stepping upstairs or something like that. So we start uh, kind of small. So I maybe massage his, um, you know, lower hamstring and lower quad for like three minutes before the session. And then we're just meeting him where he's at. So just graded exposure. Like he could do a uh, six inch step up this week. Then the next week he could do an eight inch. And so I'm just progressing things just like just, just, you know, linear progression. Um, And then the goal is that those maybe smaller exercises, I guess you could say for somebody like him where he was pretty limited at first are able to turn into more of just either increased weight or deadlifts or squats, but I'm not giving people just like cookie cutter stuff, right? which you see a lot in the, um, some other worlds, you know, some other therapy things. So I'm not just giving somebody, I'm giving no clamshells actually, as a matter of fact, um, <laughs> I'm not just, yeah, yeah. Like banded stuff. Um, but we're doing things that actually will um, also correlate to like just their their daily life yeah. uh, or their sport. Like I work with a lot of powerlifters, weightlifters, you know, stage athletes, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, so I have been able to merge those things into just kind of a good flow where the client feels like they're getting multiple things. So they feel like they're getting some of that passive work. They're, they're getting some of that, you know, pain relief from that, but then they're getting things where that pain relief is going to last longer. And then they're not like, I tell people when they're like, how many sessions do we need to do? And I said, well, my goal is to do is for you to have to come in, come in as few time sessions as possible. Like I would love to work. I, I want to work with you, but, if we can make significant progress in six sessions, I'm not going to tell you to come in for 10 sessions. Oh. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I, I actually really like that. And part of the issue that I've run into a lot is like clients or clients that I've worked with specifically, um, typically are very linearly focused. They're very one track mind focused and it's hard for them to actually think about, I need to push as hard as I can but I also need to take care of my body as hard as I can. And for some reason, like that dichotomy doesn't really 
it, it doesn't really blend in most people's minds, even though someone might be like a very high performing athlete who knows intuitively, like I need to take care of my body to the point where like, I'm not hurting all the time, but <laughs> there is that aspect of like, I'm hurting. I just need to push through it. I need to stop being a little bitch. I'm okay. Like I've got this competition coming up, this meet coming up. I'll be fine. But there is that aspect of like putting the same focus on the recovery, the, the, you know, the body work, whatever you want to call it. Um, the, the passive modalities where like you go in and you get someone to actually manipulate your body, whether that's massage work or that's chiropractic work, whatever it is, um, that the same importance is not necessarily put on that as it is the training, mm-hmm. you know, the actual work, the active work that they're doing. And then vice versa. Sometimes people shift into that. I'm broken mode yeah. and they're so yeah. scared to train hard in the gym because they're so focused on the massage. They're so focused on the recovery. They're so focused on all of these things because they've shifted their brain into that world. But I haven't really found too many people that have been as like bi-directionally focused on both of those things, even though they're so hand in hand, like they go with each other. It's not like one or the other. You can't have, you can have both. It's an and, but it's very rare to find people who are able to balance taking care of their body with training hard the way that it should be done. And you see it occasionally with like very high level athletes. Um, but generally it's one or the other. And whenever someone shifts into one of those, those mindsets, it takes a while for them to be able to kind of like pull back from that, whether that's, you know, again, I'm broken or whether that's, I have this meat coming up. I don't give a shit about anything else. My body's going to be broken. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, that's, that's definitely been something that I've, I found a lot of, of trouble with, dealing with with my own clients because i'm on one side of this i'm on the the train as hard as you can suck it up get to the meat in one piece point you're on the other you're on the passive like take care of your body recover um have you dealt with that and seen that as well oh like multiple ends of the spectrum Mm -hmm. absolutely um i think a lot of times people come in to me expecting that i'm gonna put more of an emphasis on correctives or massage, stuff like that, and then are a little bit surprised when I say, oh, no, you're, we're still going to, you're still going to overhead press, but we're going to find a different way for you to do that, which is what you do, too, as a coach, but, like, or, um, like, the last thing I want to do is tell somebody you can't, don't do this. Now, there are times where I will say, I suggest, just going with the overhead presses, that's a, an easy example, you know, if I have somebody come in, and they're having just shoulder discomfort and we're talking about you know i always want to do what do they do know what what kind of stuff are they doing in their daily life what kind of training what's their programming like what's their volume like they have shoulder pain and especially when they overhead press and i look at their shoulder flexion so they lift their arm up and they're only getting they're not even getting close to you know perpendicular to the the floor or the ground maybe they're like they're close but um, those are times where I will say, hey, I think you should hold off on barbell overhead press, dumbbell overhead press um, for now. Here's why. Um, but we're going to do a landmine press. Yeah. You're still, you're going to be able to train. That way you can still train hard um, and get the most effect as you can through that exercise. And you're also not putting yourself in pain doing it. Like that way you don't have to 
back off, you know, 40 pounds on your overhead press, you're not getting a training effect. Um, so, um, it, I think, like I said, some people are surprised in a good way, I think, that I'm like, hey, let, let's, uh, let's find a different way to do this. Because right. people are like, should I just, should I just not deadlift anymore? And I'm like, you know, depending on the person, I'm like, no, hell yeah, you should deadlift. But here's how we're going to do it. <laughs> like, we're going to do it from boxes. We're going to do kettlebell deadlift. Um, but, you know, often also like if, like if I met with one of your clients or athletes, like, and I mean, I know you, so it might be different, but okay. So say I meet with somebody who I don't know their coach and they show me their programming. I'm not ever going to say like, whoa, don't do this. But we're going to find like, I might say, hey, maybe talk to your coach about volume, but, um, you know, five sets, 20 reps on shit and stuff like that. But um, I might say, or then we're going to go over um, things they can do before their training. So rather than, oh, hey, you have a, you have a squat day your warm-up is empty bar, then 95 and stuff like that. No, we're going to be doing a breath, breath work, um, big into breath work. So some PRI stuff, we're going to do that. Um, and then you're going to do, you know, what, whatever it may be, some split squat isos or some split squats or, um, you know, some whatever, whatever is going to prep them for their main stuff right. that they're going to do. So I'm not, I'm not taking the job of, um, a physical therapist. Like now you take people like, um, you know, Matt Longfellow and Corey Sellers, like their approach is just awesome. They, they don't in the sense that like their physical therapy isn't like I said, like, like we said, banded exercise and glute, um, posterior pelvic tilts. So um that's kind of my approach as well with again staying in my scope making it so these people also feel like they're actually doing something right and then they're the adherence with that as well nobody's gonna i don't know anybody especially even in my pta outpatient clinical they would have me pray off 10 to 15 exercises and i had to give it to and be like yeah you need to do these every day what i'm literally giving people like two to three things to do well, I, th- I think that's really important too, because from my own personal experience, getting a plan that is overwhelming mm-hmm. reduces adherence to basically zero, especially whenever it's things that are not fun or that might hurt a little bit. Right. And I mean, if you're broken, if you're injured, you're going to have to do things that don't really feel good. Like that's just part of getting better. You have to kind of push through some of that discomfort and that's not fucking fun to do. So if I get uh, a plan from a physical therapist and it has 15 different exercises and I have to do three sets of each every single day. Otherwise I'm not going to get any better. Like that's immediately going to be overwhelming. And I'm like, man, I might do this for one or two days, but I'm not going to spend an hour doing corrective exercises every fucking day that like, there's no way I'm not going to do it. Um, so focusing on like kind of that minimum dose possible to be able to create the effect that you're after that we're after is really important to be able to actually get through to clients and be able to communicate with clients in a way that they can understand and they can actually benefit from. Um, 
But one thing that I did want to end on uh, before we kind of wrap this up is just talking about that communication aspect because we're both coaches. We've both been doing this for a really long time. So like if I come into you, I can communicate with you. I can say, hey, this is what's hurting. This is what's bothering me. These are the things that I'm struggling with. Can you work on X today, right? Most people that come in probably can't have that same level of communication and conversation with you to where I can just tell you what I need that day. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the therapist or the practitioner is going to have to kind of like decipher based on what the client is trying to describe. And they're like, hey, these are my symptoms. What, what do you think it is? And they're like, fuck, I don't know, man, but I'll try. I'll do my best to try and treat this for you. Um, but what are some good things that clients can do whenever they come to talk to you, talk to their, their therapist, their practitioner, whoever is going to be helping them. What are a few things that the client can actually do to help Mm -hmm. communicate with their therapist? What is actually causing them trouble and how they can potentially get more out of those sessions as well? Um, so as far as, uh, going into communicating with a massage therapist, um, if, especially if they're going for more of a therapeutic, you know, um, not going for like a relaxation, but, um, one, um, what kind of pressure are they like? Um, you definitely want to know that if, if, if you're used to people who like deeper pressure and you go put a ton of pressure on this person, well, they actually, a lot of people are nervous to say to you, Hey, that's too much. Yeah. So it, it like, so knowing that right off the bat and then communicating with them during like, hey, is this pressure okay? Um, also, areas that maybe you want focus on, but also areas you do not want worked on. Some people have that, like, some people don't want their feet touch. Um, maybe if somebody has some, some trauma from their past, they don't want certain areas or, you know, worked on or touched. So um, letting a therapist know, like, don't touch my feet. They're ticklish. I'll kick. I'll kick you or um, things like that. Um, probably their experience with massage therapy. Massage therapy, especially if they've had a negative experience. Um, typically, I ask like, "Hey, have you had a massage before? What did you like about it? What were some things? Was there anything you want to focus on differently?" Um, definitely things that can be contraindicated. So, like skin issues of some sort. Um, being on certain medications, you know, maybe like a blood thinner. Um, if you have a prior, a recent injury. So even if it's something like you just did a little twist of your ankle, um, letting the therapist know that. Um, and again, for more therapeutic, especially if it's somebody who may have more of the kind of background that I do, um, what, like, what kind of job do you have? Are you sitting a lot? Are you active a lot? Are you driving a lot? Um, so what? what's not just like, what are you doing in the gym, but what are you doing outside of the gym? This is super important. So I would say those those are the main things, like really just letting them know what you hope to get out of the session, because if you don't tell them, they don't know. Or if they ask you and you're like, I get it. Sometimes it's, it's kind of nerve wracking meeting with a new person, but and if you're not answering it, then you probably, you know, you just might not get out of it what you're hoping to. They can only guess. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really, really, really good point because like we're both, again, we're both coaches. So like whenever we have people come to us that don't know how or can't communicate mm-hmm. what they need from us, like that severely handicaps our abilities to help them. Mm-hmm. So 
the more information we can get, the better. The less information we have, we're flying blind. We're really just guessing at that point. And like you said, something as simple as what pressure do you like? Mm -hmm. That can be the difference between like an enjoyable experience or I'm never coming back to see you because this was horrible. Either like you just grazed over my skin and I didn't even feel anything because you were going so light or you completely fucked me up and I'm in so much pain now, right? Like different people require different things. And you know, again, it's just like, <laughs> it's okay to tell your therapist, I do not like what you're doing right now. Can you please use less yep. pressure? That, that hurts really bad. Like it doesn't have to be like this grit, like manly, I'm just going to suck it up and like pretend like this doesn't hurt at all. Dude, yeah. fuck that. like if it hurts, it hurts. Just say that you don't want that and say like, hey, can you just go a little bit lighter? I think that is really important. So um, Laura, I really appreciate you doing this with me. Uh, I definitely think that we can do another episode sometime relatively soon and we can talk more about massage therapy. We can talk more about like the intricacies involved in that. Also like how people can more adapt passive measures to complement the active measures that they're trying to accomplish with fitness. Um, yeah. But before then, where can people find you if they're curious about like maybe your services or getting in contact with you? Maybe they have a question. Um, where can people find you? So the best way to contact me would be through my website, uh, columbusperformancetherapy.com. Um, and just there's a place at the bottom. You can shoot me a message. Um, my email address is on there, but they can also email me laurenmfitness at gmail.com. Um, so you can also find me on Instagram. Now, I am not very active on my business Instagram account. Uh, just it's it's never been something that I've really like dove into. Right. But uh columbus performance therapy is my my instagram for my business and i have um lots of videos on there just to give people an idea of what i do um but again like reaching out to me if you message me on there like there's a chance i may not even get on that that instagram page for a month so definitely through my website but i am in um grandview ohio so those who are aware uh of columbus and grandview i'm just kind of by watershed people know what watershed is and yeah so Oh, thank you. Uh, just quickly for my own curiosity, do you do yeah. online cult consultations or anything like that? Do you do online coaching? Do you do anything? I do coaching. So I do remote coaching. Um, I do not do virtual sessions um, just because it's just, I've done them in the past and it's just, it, I, it's just way too hard to yeah. need to have that person in front of me. Yeah. Now, if somebody who's out of state and they like, I can, I can make that happen. It's just if it's somebody in Columbus, then no, I want to do do in person. But I'd be happy to do consults with somebody, whether it be in person or video, even if it's that it's just a consult and I'm able to give them what direction should they go yeah. when looking for somebody. That's perfect. Yeah. Thank you again so much. Yeah. Um, right. so do this soon. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you so much. Of course.